Hello! Happy Thursday! Hi! Eric Frantz. Hello! Audrey Salveson. Good afternoon. 1390 AM The Fan. What is your deal today? Uh, you know what? You walk in into our prep room. Audrey! Yes. What are you doing? I uh, just. I gotta make sure you're awake I, over there. You've had a long day. Uh, I've had a long week <laughs> and a half. It's exhausting. Mr. I'm gonna burn candle from both ends. <laughs> yeah, it's been exhausting. Uh, but it's been fun. DJ I've, by morning. Oh, geez. Sports dude by afternoon. I realized how... Napper by midday. Inadequate I am to be probably in this business, that I probably need to get out while I can. Is that an invitation? Uh, yeah. I mean, take it for what you wish. <laughs> I mean, look, if, if, you, if you want to, I'm, I'm sure uh, you can maybe uh, raggle up a couple extra dollars to pay Mitch to come back. I don't know. Wouldn't be from the listeners, that's for sure. RJ, we love you. Oh, don't try it. Don't even try it. I even brought you a treat this morning you while you were on the air. You brought me a great treat, actually. That jerky was good. So, I owed you pick six, and I'm late. Again. <laughs> perennially late getting that to you. But when I was picking it out, I had several different options. There was the regular, there was the teriyaki, there were various different flavors. And I don't, I've never asked you what flavor you prefer with your beef jerky. But there one there was one that I almost bought, not because I thought maybe you'd like this flavor over another, but because I thought it described you better than another. Uh, so explain. It, it was sweet and spicy, and that, I, well, there's certainly the spicy. I don't know about the sweet. Wait a minute, that jerky you gave me was supposed to be no, no, spicy? no, no, the one I almost got. Oh, okay. But I figured I, I don't know that I can justify the sweet. I can justify the spicy. You can't justify it as. But I haven't quite seen the sweet yet. Out of Little Smoky. So I went with the regular. <laughs> I owed you. Uh, it was probably more than I wanted to spend. Oh, but I was it. late. You know, after three weeks in a row of just getting and your, your rear You've been dominating too. lately. So I figured Ajay deserves it. He's, he's working hard in the morning. He's probably a little hangry because he's been up since early. Oh, man. That really is kicking my I'm going to help him out. I'm going to tell you. I mean, it's. It, I've been able to uh, host a VFX morning show with AJ Knight uh, for the uh, past, what, couple few days. And then McCall uh, tonight, or excuse me, this morning and then tomorrow. Uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun, but I realized very quickly that I am not good enough to be in that studio. I am nowhere good enough to be in that studio. It's been fun, but... It's always good to be just in my comfy confines of the 1069 The Fan, 1390M studio with, well, not with you, but just being in the studio, I guess, nonetheless. Uh, speaking of pick six, we'll get to it today. My. The most exciting day of the week. That Brown Mamba looking for four weeks in a row, which we have not had yet. Now, am I pick six? My three items for pick six? Yeah. It'll blow your mind. Really? Yes. Just take the right let's three it, fingers off my Let's hand. call it complex simplicity. Why? Why do you have to make it... I mean, because you know you make it difficult for yourself then, right? No. Because you always end up really out-tricking yourself, <laughs> only, which is amazing. Only lately. For the last <laughs> just, seven months I or mean, so, you've been trying been okay. that go, hey, I bet this guy wins the uh, the Indy 500. I'm like, I, I, I bet not. of us are really... What the heck? Pay attention I to that I can tell sport. you right now he's not going to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, NBA Finals, Game 1, 7 o'clock tonight, Warriors-Raptors. It is the first time that the Warriors will not host Game 1 of the NBA Finals. And the first time they won't be facing LeBron James. Which is probably a good thing. Uh, different Did you hear test- about the, right. the, the 
Golden State players that put together this um, Wish You Were Here card that they all signed to send to LeBron James. Shut up. No. <laughs> Stop it. I Please tell it. me that's not real. It is very real. What? We'll have to get into that. Uh, <laughs> uh, this, uh, this one is expected by most to be a good one, uh, by some to probably be a blowout. Kevin Durant out for game one. He has traveled with the team. Yes. Uh, he has done a little bit of rehab, and so while we're at it, why not? Uh, let's go ahead and just get Steve Kerr's thoughts on uh, Kevin Durant and how his rehab schedule is going. Maybe. Oh, sorry. Maybe not. That's why. Sorry. Producing. Do you need forward. me to go over there and no. push the right buttons? No, don't touch me. Do I need to kick you out of my chair? Oh, geez, do I need to kick you out of my chair? Just stop it. He, um, to practice with the team, but... We don't know when that's going to be. Um, he'll continue with the individual workouts, ramping that up as our training staff sees fit. There you go. Uh, he'll continue to uh, do some some rehabbing and some training. But again, he has traveled with the team. Andre Godala is a go tonight, as is DeMarcus Cousins, who's active on the roster tonight. That is big, Eric, for the Golden State Warriors. I think that'll be a really, really interesting matchup. DeMarcus Cousins versus Mark Gasol. Both can draw out their defender to the three-point line. Both are big bodies that can bang down low. Um, I think that Cousins is more mobile, more agile, but um, I think that'll be a really interesting game within a game, if you will. And I think that him being out, I think if Cousins wasn't a go, I would definitely give the edge to Toronto at that center position. Do you feel... I mean, there's got to be a minutes restriction on this guy tonight, right? Yeah, I would imagine. Apparently, hearing from reading from some of the accounts from some of the players, he's been scrimmaging. He's been practicing for the last week or so, hmm. and they feel he feels good. The team feels good about him getting on the court. I think there most likely will still be a minutes restriction. Guy doesn't miss that many games with that type of injury, and you just say, "Okay, go play forty for us <laughs> in the most important games of the year." So I think that they'll be mindful of that, but uh, I think that'll be an interesting game changer for Golden State, having as, him available. As you've already noted, the Golden State Warriors have had a full week off after beating the tw- Portland Trailblazers four games to none. Meanwhile, the Toronto Raptors went through another physical series. This one went uh, uh, against Milwaukee, and they get out of that one alive. And so now, here we are. Does rest actually... Does it truly matter, or is it just, look, you both get on the court and duke it out and just whoever executes more is going to win the ball game, or does rest actually play a factor in it? No, I think it's a fair question, and I think it matters more to a team that has more veterans. I think it matters more to a team that's had a harder road to get to where they are. If you've blown through all of your teams on on your path to the finals, rest doesn't matter. In fact, it might be a bit of a hindrance. But if you're a team that's had to battle every round and you've got guys that are playing... 40 minutes a night uh, each time you're playing, yeah, that rest is valuable. Um, so Golden State has had the rest. Toronto has benefited from a little bit of a break from the last series, but Kawhi Leonard's been playing a ton of minutes, and he's playing a little bit banged up. Mm-hmm. Kyle Lowry's a little bit banged up. So that that brief break for them was important. How much of it really matters tonight I don't know. I mean, certainly you've got a team that's got a lot of guys with a lot of experience in these situations and another team that has one guy that knows what it's like to be in the finals. Yep, one guy. And who played a huge impact 
who's been to the finals before. Of course, he won the NBA Finals MVP uh, when they uh, dismantled the Miami Heat. That is Kawhi Leonard. So on the other side, let's look at the Toronto Raptors, Eric. Uh, this team is, again, coming off a physical grinding series versus Milwaukee. Um, the the battle-tested Raptors here, playoff battle-tested, I should say, through just, I mean, the playoff, this playoffs alone, that, that's got to serve as some kind of confidence going into this game against um one of the best teams in the league, if not the best team in the league. Yeah, I think if I'm the Raptors, I, I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, they nobody was expecting them. Everybody was talking about Milwaukee was going to be the team. And they just went out there and did their thing and just kept beating people. Uh, they did it with balance. They did it with uh, a bench that came alive when it mattered the most. And um, I, I think if I'm Toronto, I'm feeling pretty good that, look, we played Golden State pretty tough. During the regular season, we went through uh, a pretty grueling Eastern Conference uh, tournament, and uh, I would think that if I'm Toronto, I'm feeling pretty battle tested and ready to go. Uh, speaking of which, how here is Kawhi Leonard on the keys to getting Game One win over the Golden State Warriors? You know, being able to play defense, we limit them to one shot, probably get a rebound. I mean, come down offense again with some pace. I guess that helps. And um, I mean, but it's two different sides of basketball. It's, it's not like it, just because I get a stop, I'm going to make a shot or do a good move. <laughs> He's just so bland. <laughs> I, but you know what? You love that. I mean, he doesn't do anything, say anything for attention. He, in fact, he tries to avoid it at all costs. Um, I just I think that's always been really impressive. How different do you think this is for Kawhi this time around compared to the last time he was there? Well, the last okay, well, so the last time he was there, he had three Hall of Famers around him, right? And now he's got himself as the all really, the attention is on Kawhi, on Kawhi Leonard. I, I, I mean, he's done a decent right. job handling it because he's just hey, I have no emotion, and I'm not really <laughs> going to give you bullet bullet board material, and I will give you somewhat of a thoughtful answer, but. When I'm not go going to elaborate. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, he, he doesn't invite a lot of extra attention on himself, but because he is the guy in Toronto, everybody's got a mic in his face. Yeah. I'm sure he's super uncomfortable that everybody's <laughs> turning to him all the time. I'm sure Kyle Lowry's sitting there like, man, I've been here forever, yeah. but I don't care. This We're guy's going to carry our team. Kawhi Leonard, so. Sure. Uh, here is Coach Nurse. This is kind of a long uh, comment here, but this is a good one. This is Coach Nurse on what it's been like coaching Kawhi Leonard. I think I think Kawhi again takes a lot of pride in in being a two way player, and um, that's again really where it starts. You got to want to do it, and then again he's got some he's got some IQ. He's got some he's got really really you know good body and athleticism. He's got these really big hands that you know get in there and and snatch the ball away sometimes and and I always say that 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 probably impresses me about him more than anything is when he you know the scoring's great and the big baskets are great and all that stuff but when he makes up his mind to impact a play on the defensive end and next thing you know he's got the ball coming the other way and and you know getting a maybe a transition bucket those are huge momentum plays how many guys in recent memory I mean I can think of two have had that said about him that they can impact the game on the defensive end when they want to. Well, I think Draymond Green. That's one of them. Right away. 
uh, Kawhi, uh, besides Kawhi Leonard. Um, I, I think naturally you think of like guards or small forwards, but I think there's some centers that, that can do that too. I think Giannis is the other guy. Giannis certainly is a modern player. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I just, and, and really, because you saw what Kawhi, I mean, I think everyone's seen that video that's viral, where in the 2013 or 14 finals, I believe, where LeBron James steps to the line, uh, and uh, he's going to, you know, take the ball to go shoot it, well, all of a sudden, the, the substitution buzzard rings, he turns around, and Dana Green's going out, and guess who's coming in? Kawhi Leonard. LeBron James' reaction is he kind of grimaces, and then... You know, shakes his head and uh, says something underneath his breath, as as in frustration of, dang it, <laughs> just <laughs> he can't go away. Uh, that's what yeah. Kawhi. That was the at the time, Eric, the greatest player on the planet, LeBron James, and he was frustrated that Kawhi Leonard, a rookie, was coming back into the game. That's incredible. That is amazing. That is telling about him as well. I think Kawhi Leonard on the defensive end is. As impactful as any other player in the league, hands down. Hands down, a- absolutely. And to, to to see what he's doing at this level with the guy hardly played at all last year. Yeah, it's phenomenal what he was able to do on his own. How he was able to come back from an injury. Um, my concern is how much more can he handle? Uh, he's had to handle a lot. He's had to do a lot to get to this point. How much more can he handle? Uh, how much? How important is it for other guys to really step up and have big moments in this series? It's got to be, you know. I think yeah. Van Fleet's got to be. I think Danny Green's got to be better. He's been so quiet, and he's he's got to be more aggressive. Uh, Kyle Lowry's got to be more consistent. Uh, Marcus Saul, who's a former Defensive Player of the Year himself, has got to be really good on the defensive end. We saw what Golden State did to the big men of Portland. Just, I mean. Played with them like puppets on strings. Whatever they wanted to do, wherever they wanted to do it on the court, they got it. Because Enos Cantor looked lost, as did the rest of the guys. Um, and, and, and Collins included. And so they've well, they going to be better. Yeah, I, I think Coach Stotts made some adjustments because of that later in that series. But it, it wasn't. It was a little too late. And Portland just didn't know how to hold on to a lead. No. And I think it also exposed that they're weak at the small forward and, and power forward positions. Yeah. So uh, Toronto is not. Um, and so I'm... I, originally, when I thought of the prospect of Toronto in the finals, I thought, eh, I don't know how excited I am about that. Me, but I'm th- with As you. I've watched them more and more, you. as I've, I've, I've paid attention to what they do, I'm actually really excited for this this NBA Finals. I'm so with you. I was one of those guys that you had you noted it to a, the group of people of yeah you know everyone thought it was gonna be Milwaukee every you know and I I was one of them. I'll put myself in that category. I said it right here on the air. I thought it'd be Milwaukee, and I wanted to see a six seven game series. And then Toronto made it, and I thought this thing's over in five. Um, as I've watched a little bit more on Toronto, I don't know if they get game one, things could get interesting. But let me ask you, for Golden State, who has not been on the road for a game one of the NBA Finals and their fourth finals that they've been in, is there a difference? I mean, is there a, I guess, I mean, how much advantage do they have? I mean, now they're on the road for game one of the NBA Finals instead of being at the comfy confines of Oracle Arena in Oakland. I I think in a lot of ways, this is like 
a first time for Oakland. Yeah. Um, for Golden State. Yes, they're in Oakland. But because they're not facing LeBron James, every other time they went, they faced LeBron James. Uh, they were the home team every time. So, uh, and Toronto's favored tonight. And so wow. they are... By one, by the way. Exactly by one. one. It, the, it opened with Golden State by one. It's now shifted to Toronto. So they're on the road as a team that's not favored and they're not facing LeBron James. It's a foe they're not familiar with like they were before. And so I think for a lot of reasons, if I'm Golden State, it's just like a, a complete, almost a completely new experience. Yeah, they understand the media. They understand all the hype. Uh, all the extra requests for interviews, all that other stuff that comes with being in the NBA Finals. But this is they're not going to Cleveland this year. It's further distance for travel. It's different surroundings, a team they're not as familiar with. And for a lot of ways, I think this, this is going to feel like a new experience for Golden State going to the Finals. The two teams met before in the regular season. Both went to Toronto. Game one was a 113-93 win for the Toronto Raptors. In that game, Kevin Durant had 30 Meanwhile, Steph Curry had 10, and Klay Thompson was limited to uh, 14. Both had poor shooting nights. Game 2, Toronto, 131-128. And that night, Durant had 51 points. Meanwhile, Thompson had 23. No one else finished in double. Oh, sorry. What are you doing over there, AJ? Okay, stop it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Stop. <laughs> Just push the button. Oh, yeah. I don't want to. You know what? Here's you over here. You again. The same problem. And you're like, oh, it's not a big deal. <laughs> it's a I common it. problem sitting over there. <laughs> uh, and on the other side, by the way, for uh, Toronto, they, they've managed to score and score a lot. In uh, game one, all five guys were in double figures. They were led by Kyle Lowry with 23. In that game, Kawhi Leonard didn't even play in game one in the 113-93 win. And in game two in the 131-128 win, uh, Kawhi Leonard did play. He had 37. And again, all five players, starters, were in double figures. So both games, all starters, double figures for Toronto. Offensively, Eric, they got to have a lot of confidence, right? I would think so. They feel like, look, we faced Golden State regular season. We're able to take care of them. Um, one of them was a knockdown, dragout, offensive juggernaut. The other one was a good defensive game battle without Kawhi Leonard. So... Uh, this is a team that can play well offensively and a team that plays well defensively. And speaking about Toronto, Golden State's a team that can do that too. Golden State can put up a ton of points if they want to, but one of the things that they're not talked about enough is their defense. Um, but I think that what what will be interesting in this matchup is, I, I think, one of the key matchups in this one is the guard play. That's exactly what I think. Uh, I think Great point. You, you, a lot of talk about Kawhi, Kevin Durant. Uh, we've already talked about DeMarcus Cousins versus uh, Mark Gasol. But how will Toronto's guards be able to match up with Golden State's? Granted, there's we, we kind of had this debate the other day when we are talking about the Houston Rockets versus the Chicago Bulls. You, you don't necessarily have to have a position-by-position advantage over the other team to say, well, that team's going to win. Because sometimes, yeah, your center isn't as good as their center, but your guard is way better than their guard. And so how does that affect the entire team as a whole? So how much will Kyle Lowry be a facilitator? How well can he hang with Steph? Uh, who, you know, Pascal Siakam versus Draymond Green. 
And, and I think it's going to be really fun to see the matchups and how they might change as this series continues. Okay, so let me ask you this. Let's go uh, position by position category. Give me advantage for either Warriors or Raptors. Let's start at the guard play. Lowry, Curry, Thompson on one side, Danny Green on the other. Your advantage goes to who? Well, I, I think you have to... I think it's a fair question, but I think you have to say for is that for game one? Yeah. Is that for game three? Because it's going to be different. Because game one, there's no Kevin Durant. Game two, there's no Kevin Durant. Most likely. Yeah, most likely. Game three it could be very different. And so it all changes now. So I, I think in game one, assuming DeMarcus Cousins is a go. Now let's talk game which one. Which looks like he is. Um, I'd start at the center positions. As I mentioned, I would... I probably would still give Toronto a slight edge because I think he'd have limited minutes. Uh, Kevin Looney will probably still play a lot of minutes off the bench. He's been really effective for him lately. But um, I I still would give a crafty Mark Gasol a little bit of an edge mm. and um, what Toronto might be able to do. In the forward matchup, this one should be good too. Draymond Green, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, who do you like? Advantage who? I give the advantage to Kawhi Leonard. That'll be a great matchup That's if they do go one on one against each other because they're both defensive guys. They can score when they need to, but Kawhi is just a better, more refined scorer. I guess. Ooh, Iguodala might start, huh? Um, I don't know if he's going to start. Uh, I think he's his injury is still uh, questionable. Um, and and if he were available, I think they'd bring him off the bench. So you don't think he starts? Right? Uh, probably not. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, and then let's uh, let's move ourselves up to the to the guard play as a whole. Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Danny Green, Kyle or yeah, Kyle Lowry. Uh, I'd have to give that to advantage to Golden State. What adjustments do you make as a Raptors to try to guard that guard? Because you know, if if Thompson and Curry get going, this baby's over, or at least this thing's ballooning him from a five to a fifteen point lead. What, so fast, yeah. What do you do? Well, I think you. I think what Toronto's been able to do. I mean, they they made it hard for Milwaukee to get off good good shots. In fact, sometimes they dared guys to shoot. Um, they were they're a pretty smart team about where they pick and choose what to do. I think you just got to take away the airspace mm. um, and you, you get in passing lanes and try to deny the ball. So I think Toronto's a good team with uh, guys that are aggressive enough. Fred Van Vliet, I think, has really come along lately for Toronto, which I think is huge. And he earlier in the playoffs, he was a forgotten guy, and he was kind of in the doghouse. But he has found himself again and is a very important piece off the bench for Toronto. So I, I think it's just getting after it uh, aggressively and taking away any airspace for these guys. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything for pick six, so we'll stop there with, with that as far as before we make any predictions tonight for, for game one. Again, at Nova Scotia Arena, game time is 7 o'clock. Game two, Sunday. So a little bit more couple days rest as they extend the finals for whatever reason. Uh, and uh, we'll, Ratings. Yeah, it's ratings, all about rating. I guess. But yeah, like you said, Eric, this is it's weird. And you know what? I really didn't think about it until you brought it up. No LeBron James in the finals for the first time since 2010. Am I not mistaken? He went to four with Miami, three with Cleveland, or four with Cleveland. That's right. He because he was in Miami. It was. It was four with Cleveland and four with Miami. Yeah, and then he went there with them. Yeah, it's bottom line. It's been a long time. No, since, Le- since LeBron know, James has not anyone, been in the NBA finals. Who would you be more happier about not facing, LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard? 
LeBron James. <laughs> it's going to be a dandy. 7 o'clock tonight. Raptors, Warriors, Game 1. We'll It'll be on ABC. And AB, yeah, that's right, actually. ABC is going to be uh, the uh, telecast, telecast for this series. So uh should be a good one again. Game 2 is on Sunday, uh, scheduled for a 1 o'clock time. All right, coming back, the draft pool has been set, uh, and players know if they're going or staying uh, or coming back to school. In particular, one player coming back to one school – a player that Utah State got very familiar with and uh, will have to be even become more familiar with as uh, uh, for this season. Out against its arrival, and it's a non-conference, of course. So we'll get into that more and what it means for Utah State's schedule. We'll kind of look at that and some of the players coming back and how it affects them. It's uh, Eric France and Audrey Salveson here on 106.9, 1390 AM. The Fan. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Audrey Salveson, Eric France in 429 Your Time. Remember, it's just a four to five show for the next uh, couple months until we're taking a nice little break until uh, football gets underway. About second week of August, we'll get right back into it. Another two-hour show. And, and again, no one gives you better coverage of the Utah State Aggies than the Cash Eye Radio Network. And Al Lewis and, and, and the pregame and post games, And, of course, here, your Monday through Friday breakdown. Uh, we get you in and on the opponents. We'll give you audio of, of the opponents from the, from the coaches and from the players. And uh, the research, it all comes here from the Cashfly Radio Network and especially here from 106.9 The Fan, Eric France and Al J. South on the Full Court Press. Uh, Eric, uh, the the players have made their decisions, some coming, some going. The most surprising for me was BYU's Yuli Childs, who has decided to come back. What? Now, let me ask you just straight up uh, of why he changed his mind. Uh was told that he or didn't like his draft grade or was getting bad info from some people? Um, I think there's also a third option. Let's hear it. The, the chance to do something special, one, one more year in college. Uh, I think that when there's a coaching change, a lot of underclassmen think long and hard about their future at that school. No matter where you are, what level you're at, when there's a coaching change, Everybody thinks, do I want to stay here? with? Because this isn't the guy that brought me here. And so I think that plays into a lot of people's minds. And when you're an underclassman and you're a good player, there's that thought, well, maybe I should just go ahead and jump to the NBA. Um, I think that maybe he was getting some information about how he's not quite NBA ready, maybe close. Um, but I think there's also this big factor too where Look what happens. What's what's going on with Gonzaga? A ton of their guys are going to still be in the NBA draft. They're leaving. I think there's a, a the door is open wide right now in the West Coast Conference for BYU to assume that position as the as the top team. I don't know that it's going to happen, but the top two scorers now are going to be back from a year ago. That includes Childs. Uh, they just got Toulson to come back. He was there before, but he's had a great career at Utah Valley. And there's so far, I like a lot of what this coach uh, Pope is, is saying and doing with his recruiting. It's kind of interesting. Um, I, I think he was turning things around at Utah Valley without really much resources. 
So I think BYU, uh, that may have been part of the decision for Yoli Childs is, look, I maybe I could go and still try my hand at the NBA. But there's also a factor that if I come back, I can be part of something special. He could be, and I think you'd have to consider him as perhaps one of the odds-on favorites to be the at least preseason player of the year in the West Coast Conference. And look at BYU as a, as a team that's going to be at or near the very top of that conference with a lot of expectations that they should be an NCAA tournament team. Yuli Childs had his press conference today. In his press conference, he noted three things that he wanted to come back and take care of business for. One, and most importantly, an NCAA tournament run with his BYU teammates. Uh, two, he wants to earn, and you kind of noted this, w, or the uh, Western Coast Conference Defensive Player of the Year's honors. Something that he said pro scouts told him he needs to work the most on. Kind of surprised by that. And... Uh, Two, he or excuse me, three. He uh, he saw kind of what, what Coach Pope was doing, as you already noted. Jake Tolson is uh, attending BYU University now. They also got that freshman kid who's a uh, who's a stud. Um, they've got some serious Eric, some serious good talent on this basketball team. Not only could they give Gonzaga a run for their money and and make an NCAA appearance as an Aggie fan, and just let me ask you straight up, and, and don't break your radio fan uh, radio listeners, just l- hear me out. BYU will get Utah State in that Beehive Classic. Are you worried? Uh, sure. I mean, you should be worried. Uh, I mean, they they were an underachieving team last year. Uh, they were better in the early part of the year than they were in the last part of the year. Um, I mean, they looked good when they played Utah, I mean, they looked good when they played Utah State, but I think if <laughs> later in the year, if Utah State had played them in, in January or February, Aggies would have beat them. No way. Nuh-uh. Yes. No. The, the Aggies were a better it's team. It's a closer game. Aggies were a better team. BYU was a worse team. They didn't know how to play with each other. And I think it was Coach Dave Rose just was tired, and he just didn't really, he just didn't seem like he was dialed in. I can agree to that. But I, I think that I think it's earlier in the year... Game. Utah State will have a lot of experience coming into that game. So will BYU. That's going to be a great matchup. Oh, that's going to be fun. Because USU has learned a lot about themselves, mm-hmm. how to handle situations that at that time they hadn't quite figured out yet. So I think that'll be that'll be a great game. I actually would still give Utah State the edge. Oh! I'll Look, keep... they didn't know how to handle if people yeah, beat but, up okay. on, on Sam Merrill. Utah State didn't quite figure out how to handle that. It took about another month for Utah State to figure that out. And then once they did, they were a great team. Understood. But this BYU team is loaded this year. I mean loaded, including on the bench. And I just, I mean, to be able to match up with these guys five on five, sure, you can say, hey, this can fit here, this can fit here. But, I mean, to to put the bench into play... Um, and to see what they've got coming off as a sixth man and seventh man. And Utah State is tough. I, no, not Utah that State's deep. got depth. Not as deep as BYU. Utah is State now. went to the tournament. They have that experience. BYU doesn't. Uh, BYU's been uh, look. We're they haven't talk, been tournament? in like five years. It, tournament has nothing to do with this. No, what it does do Being is it 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 illustrates and exposes you. And Utah State saw that, and that's driving them in the offseason. They have a lot of experience coming back. They've got a deep bench. They're adding BYU to their roster. played Gonzaga. I mean, I guess you can count that as an NCAA tournament game, right? I mean, one of the top teams in the country. I mean, and they got exposed. 
I just Utah State played Nevada, which at the time was a top team. They, we saw who Nevada really they was. Lost come in the first game, but beat him the, <laughs> the second time. We saw who Nevada really was in the NCAA tournament. Well, that's true. Uh, and I mean, there was there was friction beyond understanding there as well. But yeah, it, it's, I mean, I think it'll be a about, great game, but it's no sure. It's no dominance by BYU by any means. Well, that's what we thought last year too, right? And then all of a sudden, you got a twenty-four point shellacking. There were, as we talked about, a lot of emotional. And unique circumstances to that game that That's I think true. helped and contributed to BYU <laughs> that day. I think <laughs> certainly we can't project anything like that happening again. But I mean, he had a guy that had been kicked off the team and to just come back. That's his first game back on the court. There was a suicide on campus earlier that week. People needed an outlet, and it so, was Utah State nonetheless. Yes, but uh, so but there I'm, were a lot I'm of different saying, things going. This on. team is more talented. Than they were last year, and this team has a deeper bench than they did last year. And nothing. You're talking Utah about State. Utah State. I'm talking about BYU. You could say the same thing for both teams. No, you, no, no, no. That's no. what I'm trying no, to say. No, the first part, yes. The second part, no. You lost Tarian Knight. Um, you, what did he do? You're, you're looking Tarian Knight. No well, offense to Tarian, but what did he do? John Knight the third was, was an impact player earlier huge, in the year, but yeah. he was gone for the second half. What did he do in the second half? Yeah, but they were they weren't given the minutes now, and I'm not I'm not disrespecting Coach Smith. Please do not get that me wrong here. I'm just saying they weren't given the chance to really present what they could do. I thought Tardy Knight would have been a every great day in practice player. a chance to present what you can do. In a game, that's how Abel Porter game, got the starting position. Sure, that's I, how I, Justin, Justin Bean, Bean earned minutes. Sure, but still. I don't think that their bench was is going to be any better than BYU. No, it Ajay. will not be better than BYU's bench. BYU's bench is deep. Eric, they got the freshman of the year from another conference, man. I mean, and we are. And by the way, we're looking for a backup point guard or a starting point guard or something. Yes, Utah State has holes that need to be filled. Holes yes. at the point guard. But you got this Bearstow kid who's six seven. We have who plays no like idea a guard, who he is. You can shoot outside. We don't. You got Brock Miller that's coming back that's improving his outside shot. Sam Merrill, you don't need any more explanation than that. Namish Keta, you don't need more explanation than that. He's learning how to be a more physical guy and do better in the post. So uh, this Utah State team has depth and an experience. That it, this, yeah, BYU is, has gotten better, but so is Utah State. This is... This is the gap Man, there is not wide at all. I, I, I wish he'll give the edge to Utah State. I wish I could be optimistic like you. And I'm not. Tr- I'm not saying this because I'm trying to be some Utah State homer. I'm just looking no, at no, this no, like no. look based on the experience and where the team's trajectories are. I like Utah State. Sure, absolutely. And I'll tell as of right now the way I see as of right now. I mean things could change come November, but right now the way I look at I like BYU. Based on their bench and how deep they are, and I mean this. I mean this team already had. They have the Haws. They have Emery. They have Yuli Childs coming back. Um, this team is going to be. I mean, they were deep, semi deep uh, last year. Mm, I don't know how deep they were last year. They're even more deep this year. That's why they tailed off. That's why they lost steam during the regular season. I think they tailed off for other reasons. I think some kids were just done playing basketball for Rose. Well, I think there's that too. I, if I may be so bold to say, and you know what, by the way, uh, I've I've heard Rose has been kind of in that agreement of some players on that team were out for the me, not we, and that was a big problem. So whatever it is, it is. But Yoli Childs, who averaged twenty one and a half points last year, nine almost ten rebounds, and just over two assists, one block, and one steal as a junior, the senior, six foot eight, two hundred twenty five pounder beast, is coming back to BYU. 
uh, in uh, forgoing his play overseas. So that's a that's a big get for BYU. Hey, let me ask you though. I mean, now back in conference play, do you think they can make a serious run at the WCC title, or is it still Gonzaga's in a runaway? Well, I uh, and Gonzaga's lost some talent. Gonzaga's too. losing a lot of talent. Uh, the thing with Gonzaga is they don't rebuild; they just reload. So that's true. Who, oh, that's who comes point. in and uh, fills the voids left by numerous players that are leaving to the draft early and because of graduation? Uh, that's still to be determined. I, I can't tell you I know Gonzaga that well to to tell you who's coming back, but that's just their reputation. They're all, you have to always consider them at the top because of their coaching staff and how they do in recruiting and who they bring in sometimes with transfers. So, uh, but I, I think that with the news today of Yoli Childs coming back, I think you have to make a strong case as BYU being a top team in the West Coast Conference. All right, coming back, we're going to talk about baseball safety. Yesterday, an unfortunate incident after a line drive was hit into the stands and a, a young child was struck by that line drive. I, I want to talk to Eric and get your opinion and thoughts on should there be more netting? Some say yes for that reason of safety. Some say no because it ruins their visual of watching the ball game. Uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on that. That's all coming up. Eric Franson, AJ Salveson on the Full Court Press on 1069, 1390 AM. Forget the music. I forget it. Uh, I accidentally erased it. AJ Salveson, Eric <laughs> Franson here on 106. Do you want some music, Eric? It's a cold open. It's a cold open. You like cold you pizza in the morning, right? You want me to sing? I can sing. No, no, no I can't sing. No, I don't can't. want to sing. Uh, uh, really quickly, uh, I know we're going to talk NBA Mock Draft. We'll get that into that tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk baseball here. But then first, Eric, big, big interview for us tomorrow. Yeah, you just heard that ad about um, uh, Anthony Robles. Uh, he's a pretty phenomenal story. I mean, here's a guy born without one leg and picked up wrestling as a sport. Out of all the sports, by the way. Yeah, and he's just got this huge upper body that he developed. Um and clearly at a disadvantage, you'd think, um, with how that would affect leverage and a lot of other things that the sport of wrestling is all about. Anyway, he's coming to Cache Valley next Saturday. Uh, Ridgeline High School and the wrestling program, they're putting on a wrestling clinic, and it's going to be going throughout the day. He's going to be there providing tips and, and coaching and whatnot. But there's a, an event that night that's open to everybody. So whether, whether you're into wrestling or not, um, it's... From everything we've been able to hear, it's going to be really cool because here's a guy that's overcome a ton and he's been very successful. In fact, we're going to get more details about his life and his success story tomorrow. We get a chance to interview him uh, near the top of the show tomorrow and to uh, kind of get a better insight about his story. And then that'll preview an opportunity for you to hear it in more detail next Saturday. Not, not this Saturday, but next at Ridgeline High School. So really looking forward to that interview tomorrow. Yeah, that that's pretty cool. And I, you know, it's inspirational stuff, but also kind of makes me think, man, I'm going nowhere in life. Like, I mean, this guy, you know, one, I mean, adversity at most, I, incredible. Just, I mean, you, you only have one leg and you go into wrestling and then you dominate. Uh, he's an SB award winner. Is that right? Yeah, he's won the SBs twice. <laughs> oh, gosh. Twice in two Come different on. categories. Three-time All-American. Division One national champion in wrestling. He's been an Olympian. Uh, guy's done a lot of stuff, and he's even a Guinness World Record holder. And it's kind of cool what that record is. We'll ask him about that and how he came to that uh, when he's on with us tomorrow. 
Uh, Eric, yesterday, uh, kind of a scary uh, incident during the Cubs-Astros uh, game on a line drive hit uh, that struck a struck a young child in, I mean, near the front area, I guess. Uh, I don't know the update on the child. I don't know if you've seen an update at all. but So they're not providing a lot of updates because HIPAA, I guess. Yeah. Um, but she was taken to the hospital. She was rushed there uh, immediately afterwards. Um, you know, Albert Almora Jr., he was the one who hit the line drive foul ball. And when he saw what was happening, I mean, the whole arena just went quiet. He he, he was, was crying. wasn't he? He was crying. It, it's it's a tough deal. And this has happened before. Um, but uh, it, when you're at the plate, the last thing you're thinking about is hurting anyone. And then to think that something that you did caused harm to a child, certainly in light of certain events this week around here, it's hard, uh, right? And so that affects people, and it affected Almora Jr. And so it's uh, it was a scary, scary situation. It took him some time to collect himself, but um, you know he uh, he tried to approach security in that area to, to to check on the situation. All I could say is that um, you know, she was rushed to the hospital and. They weren't able to provide a lot of detail. Yeah, that's and then and and I mean, first of all, you, you take away the game itself and you say, forget it. There's a there's a child's being rushed to the hospital. I can only imagine what went through his brain the rest of the way, trying to play a baseball game and having that in the back of his head. And it's not his fault. I mean, he he took a pitch, he drove it, and it just you know accidents happen like that. The question is, Eric, the netting. I mean, now you know the Yankees. They only cover, I think, to the. No, they don't even cover the dugouts. They cover just behind the backstop. But uh, there's so many parks that have netting that go a, a little bit longer than they used to, but it's still not good enough. Right. At Minute Maid Park, they're in Houston. It On the third base side, it only extends to the end of the visiting team's dugout. Yeah. And she was like just 10 feet past where that netting ends. But here's the thing, and, and it is so unfortunate that things like this happen, but... You have to be aware. I mean, Eve, there's a sign that when you walk down to almost every park you go to, please be aware of broken bats and line drive uh, foul balls. Please be aware. There's only so much netting can do. I, I agree. And I, I, there were a lot of fans that got hurt a few years ago. And Major League Baseball said, look, there are some stadiums who have expanded netting, others who haven't. We're going to be consistent here. This is the new, the new rule. This is how far you have to extend it. And everybody did that. All 30 parks have it extended to at least the, the dugouts. Um, so all 30 teams did that last year. Question is, is that far enough? Should it be even more? Well, here's what uh, I want to ask you. I, it's, I mean, does it affect your vision? Because I never had it happen for me. But does it affect your visual when you're sitting behind the net? It can. Because I've never seen it before. It depends on your, because you're kind of trying to see through it. And sometimes your eyes will focus on the netting the net itself. Still, yeah. And then you're like, I got to focus again. And so it, it can be a little bit obstructive. But, you know, if you go to a hockey game, there's a risk that the puck is going to leave the ice, go above the glass and hit somebody. That happens from time to time. I'm not saying it's, it's okay. Yeah. But it's just a part of being there. And I don't know how you really. I mean, you, you put it in a dome, you enclose it in total glass. I mean, no one's going to be interested in watching that. So I, I think there's there are inherent risks of being there, 
that's part of the allure of how you can get close and be a part of the action. But I think you have to also be considering, look, are we putting people at risk? So I applaud what what Major League Baseball did in extending the nets because of some of the things that happened a few years ago. Do they need to extend even further? I don't know. I, I, I don't. I think that becomes more prohibitive. I think it starts to become more challenging for the whole well, baseball experience because that's part of the fun about going to the ballpark. That's right. And you can catch a fly ball. Exactly. You can catch a foul ball that's going gets shanked off to the right. Well, and here's the thing: is like when those hard ground balls get hit to the foul side, and then the uh, bat boy picks them up, or the foul ball boy picks them up, and he wants to toss it to a fan. Like, does he have to throw it over the net to get? Right, it he has to, to go fan? down the edge. The, the Beyond it's the impossible. netting. impossible, yeah, and then it ruins it. And I guarantee you, if, if you put nets down that far, I guarantee you fans will complain about it and want it eliminated. Uh, I think it's... The best thing you do is you protect yourself. If you know a foul ball is coming, just... I mean, if you got a baseball glove, use it. <laughs> Take it and use it. And uh, if you don't... If you're sitting that close and you don't have a glove, I don't know why. Yeah, it's it's a sad situation, but... It really is. You, you can't protect all people all the time either necessarily uh, there are risks but there's also a part of being at the game and being able to enjoy the sport uh, and if there's netting all around the park it starts to get harder and harder to do that all right coming up pick six Rajay has a winning streak of three can he make it four which has never happened in pick six history not if I have anything to say about that's it. what you said last week and the week before and the week before that pick six coming up join us on the Full Court Press, Eric Franson, Aj Salveson, 1069-1390 AM, The Fan. Eric Franson, Aj Salveson here on the Full Court Press on 1069-1390 AM, The Fan. Just 4 to 5 right now until about the second week of August. We'll get back to two hours, give you the best coverage of local and Aggie football that anybody else can give you. That's how good we are. All right, speaking of being good, Aj Salveson, three-game, three-week, three-pick-six-week winning streak. I like that. Stop it! Got my pick six ready. Gosh. Got my three ready. All right. I'm going to make you go first again. All right. Since, since it's working for you. All right. Uh, as I mentioned before, complex okay. simplicity. Oh, geez. Eric. It's really not that complex. Oh. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins points in game two. Game two. DeMarcus Cousins. Sunday. June 2nd. On Sunday. Six and a half. Really? But if he doesn't play... Oh man. Uh going over or under? Uh you don't have a lot of time here. Oh shoot. <laughs> under. Okay. I'm gonna be wrong. Uh, I'm gonna go over. Okay. All right. Kyle Lowry assists in game two. Okay. Six and a half. Over. I'm gonna take under. Okay. I hate being rushed. Kevin Looney rebounds in game two. <laughs> oh dude. Come on. Six and a half. Over. No, under, 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 under. I'm going to go over. Dang it. I Everything guess. was six and a half. That was the simplicity part. That was cute. Okay. Steph Curry, game two. 23 and a half points. Over, under. I'll take the over. I'll take the over. Kawhi Leonard, double, double. Yes or no for game two? Double, double. Uh, yes. Yes. There will be a team leading this series. Two games to zero. Yes or no? No. Yes. Goodbye, everybody.